What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we're going to be going over my buy lows, sell highs, as well as my good friend here, Nick's buy lows and sell highs. Nick, how's it going? We have not had you on the podcast before, so you're a, you're a new guest for everyone. Very good, very good. Um, I'm, I'm glad we got to connect on, on your podcast. I think you might have jumped into uh, an open stream I had at, at, at one point. Um, and you and I kind of frequently communicate on, on Twitter and share each other's uh, content and stuff. So I'm glad we get to uh, just have a, a, a me and you session on your podcast and uh, talk about some football here, man. So yes, thank sir. you for inviting me. For sure. You want to tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter and anything you want to plug? Sure. So you can find me at, at P2WFantasy. So P, the number two, W, fantasy. And uh, pretty much what I got going on there is – a live stream on Tuesday that ends up going out to you know I, iTunes and Spotify, all that good stuff, and uh, a handful of articles throughout the week, um, primarily myself, sometimes my brother who help, helps out, and uh, just frequent communication on the fantasy Twitter, um, talking to um, just the, uh, the rest of the analysts and, and uh, some other people who have questions, things like that. So I try to stay very active as, as much as possible. So um, been looking forward to linking up with you. So again, uh, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you do dabble in other sports as well, don't you? Yeah, so once a week right now I put out a fantasy basketball waiver article. And then every now and then I'll probably throw in another uh, article, just you know, a random off-topic for basketball. Baseball, same sort of thing. So I'd say... A majority of it is the fantasy football, but I do dabble in fantasy basketball and, and baseball where um, it'll mostly just be some uh, random articles that come out um, on a weekly basis during those seasons. So uh, it, it, it's fun to mix things up in that aspect. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've uh, been thinking about dabbling in uh, some fantasy basketball because I love just like watching basketball, mainly in the playoffs. I'm not like the huge regular season guy, but um, yeah, that, that's cool, man. So we got we got some games coming up here, right? We got Chiefs, Bills, Bucks, Packers. I usually, when I start my podcast, if there's some playoff games, just go over what you think is going to happen, who you think is going to win. So um, you want to start us off with Chiefs, Bills, who you got winning this game, and anything you think might might go down. Well, I do hope that uh, you know Mahomes is at 100%. I think everything's trending in, in that direction. It didn't look good when he got banged up last week I think he was seeing stars and then they said it was a neck thing which was a surprise but I actually like Buffalo in this one which is going to be a might be a surprise to some people I think Buffalo's defense um started the year off maybe the first half of the year kind of iffy at times because the year prior they were very good but the last handful of games here Buffalo's defense is playing very well that has held the Ravens to what three points I think um offensively they were second I think in uh yardage and points scored during the regular season so that offense is very explosive so i think this one's going to be a very good game but i'm going to take buffalo and i initiated myself into their fan base so i have to say that (laughs) as well yes um so for me obviously i mean this is the the easy answer right if it 
Mahomes has to be 100% healthy. But assuming he's healthy, I'm going to take the Chiefs. But I do think it's going to be way closer than a lot of people seem to think. Because um, what you're talking about, the Bills' defense, they actually, I think, are one of the best defenses. Like, nobody can match up against the Chiefs' offense, right? But I believe yeah. that the Bills are one of the best defenses to do so. Because Tredavious White has proven in the past he is one of the few corners that can cover and shut down elite tight ends. He did it to Gronk when Gronk was popping off in New England with Brady. And so it depends on the scheme they use, whatever, you know, the defensive game plan. But I think if they put Tredavious White on Travis Kelsey and pretty much nullify him, and then they put a safety over top, whoever's on Tyree Kill, I think they'll have a chance. The, the defense will have a chance at holding down that Chiefs offense because the Bills offense can score a lot of points too. So I think it'll be really, really close. The The deciding factor for me is just Mahomes. That's the only reason I'm going that way. If he's 100%, it's hard to go against him. But yeah, it's good stuff. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. And then on the NFC, uh, I'm going to let you take this one. I'm uh, just not I'm not going to put in my, my opinion because I got my bucks versus the Packers. Um, where, how do you think that game is going to come out? I, I am a Bears fan, first of all, so I will say that my answer does not have to do with a bias against the Packers, but I'm actually going to go with your guys with the Bucks. Um, I, I think we just talked about defense. Look at what that defense did last game. It was almost like, the, the Tampa offense, obviously they score points, but when your defense plays at that level and your defense is able to score themselves and, and shut down players, I think you have to be very optimistic going into that game. And when you got guys like Devin White and you got J, JPP who's able to get to the quarterback, if they're able to get to Rodgers and put pressure on him, like we saw with a team that's not as good with the Panthers, they, they did a decent job this year. I saw highlights of that, uh, getting to Aaron Rodgers. If they're able to do that, and play the way they've been playing. I think Tom Brady is able to coast a little bit um, more in this game versus having to catch up uh, in a game that people think Rodgers is going to throw all over a team because I, I don't think that's going to be the case in this one. Uh, I do like the Buccaneers, and, and uh, I don't think the Packers' defense on the other side of the ball, they played very well too. They don't scare me, though, uh, in terms of what the, the Bucks' offense can do at their capacity. So I'm going the, the Buccaneers, and a lot of people are saying Packers, but for me, I, I think this one's an, an easy choice for, for me. Yeah, so obviously I love to hear you say that because I do see most people going Packers. Everyone's rooting nice. against my guy Brady, and I say my guy because you know he's for the Bucks. But uh, you know everyone wants to hate on Brady because everyone's tired of seeing him there. But now that he's with my team, I got to root for it, of course. So with that said, I'm not going to put it in my opinion on who I think is going to win <laughs> the game. Um, so we're going to get into our buy lows, our sell highs. Um, just for the listeners tuning in, guys, we're going to be using. ECR to compare our rankings. So basically, you have ADP right now, you have ECR right now. ADP is average draft position, ECR is expert consensus ranking. We're so early into the offseason right now that average draft position for Dynasty is not super reliable. So knowing that ADP usually does catch up to expert consensus because people are listening to podcasts and you know reading articles throughout the offseason, they tend to follow the experts eventually. We're going to be comparing our ranks to the average ranks of other experts when we're looking at you know guys we like to either sell or buy. And we're going to start with the quarterback position. So Nick, who is somebody that you want to buy for dynasty purposes? So this guy is a bit of a dart throw. Um, might be high risk, high reward. Uh, wide receiver 16 looking at Fantasy Pro's dynasty rankings. And I think if he's a starter and he enters the season the way that he finished in some of these games i think i think jalen hurts could be a sneaky buy in, in in fantasy and the reason i say sneaky is because 
I see a lot of chatter about, well, you know, the Eagles actually do want Wentz, and that's the reason they got rid of Peterson and, and things like that. But if you look at what Jalen Hurts was doing in the fantasy playoffs, so weeks 14 through 16, he was the QB3. So that's a small sample size. But at the same time, the guy was balling out. Um, his passing completion needs to go up. Uh, he needs to limit, limit the turnovers. But looking at his first three starts, 100 rushing yards, 63, and 69 rushing yards. And then on top of that, he had five passing, three rushing, um, for a total of eight touchdowns in the four games that he was starting. So I think he's got huge upside. He's got a great work ethic. You see the interviews. He just, like, gets after it. The mentality is different. He's rated um, for dynasty QB 16, and I think if he is the starter and he develops, like we've seen some of these other guys develop, like Josh Allen, who's improved his, his uh, um, passing accuracy and some of these other mobile quarterbacks, I think he can really jump up the board here. So the reason it's high risk, high reward is – if next season he's not starting, then you went and bought a guy that's a, a backup. So uh, I do think he's a good good buy. All right, that that's actually very interesting because uh, my buy is the quarterback on the same team. It's Carson Wentz. And a lot of people are going to think that this means that we're contradicting each other. But I actually see a scenario where both of these guys are indeed buys. I think if you wait a little bit on Jalen Hurts, I think steam during the offseason is going to pick up for Carson Wentz. And the Eagles... One of two things are going to happen, in my opinion. Either they're going to keep Carson Wentz, right, and they're going to commit to him, and then everything's going to settle down on Jalen Hurts, and he will be a perfect buy. Because if he does get that starting job, like you said, he was amazing. He's got that, you know, the magic that you need for the quarterback position in fantasy that's rushing, right? He's got that in spades. So I could see how both of them could be buys. I like Carson Wentz a lot. He's right now fantasy pros, expert consensus, ranking QB 20. QB 20, that's so low to me, especially with how many older guys that are going to be gone soon. For me, he's my quarterback 11. It basically comes down to faith. Do you believe in Carson Wentz? Do you not? To me, I don't see how he's not a starter, whether it's with Philly or some somewhere else. You know the Colts? Phillip Rivers just retired. That's a possible landing spot. And a lot of people like to point to the cap. But when it gets down to it in the NFL, a lot of teams are able to work things out via trade with, you know, who's going to eat the money on this player's contract and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Carson Wentz is traded. And the way he's viewed right now, he has immense upside, immense upside. I actually just put out a YouTube video on Jared Goff versus Carson Wentz. If you guys want to check that out, it's Deep Dive Fantasy Football on YouTube because Jared Goff is higher in the expert consensus rankings than Carson Wentz, and he's somebody I would definitely trade away for a guy like Wentz. So I com can completely see how both of these guys can be buys. Both have good upside. I would say Jalen Hurts, your guy, does have more upside because of the rushing. Um, but I, I think they're both guys that you should be able to get super cheap right now. And then we got sells at the quarterback position. What is one guy that you are selling? And just to piggyback off of what you just said, I, I actually hope that there's a situation where we might see Wentz elsewhere because there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback. And when you look For at sure. guys that are not going to get drafted, who, who, who's available? Who could be you know a person that could move? And I think he, he would be a good guy and a good candidate. Yeah. Uh, I wish I saw so many um, photoshops of him in some other uniforms like we have with uh, Deshaun Watson, but uh, I guess not enough hype <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, the, guy, the guy I'm going to sell uh, – and we mentioned his team earlier, and the reason I'm selling is because I think he's at the ultimate value right now. Mm. Um, I and think it's Aaron I know where you're going. All right. It's Aaron Rodgers. So he's dynasty rankings have him at QB 10 at 37. And, and I, I know, you know, we got to be careful with the, the age uh, game when it comes to quarterbacks, especially. 
But at the same time here, he was QB4 this year. He's probably going to be the MVP, I would think. Um, and there's a lot of guys under him in the dynasty rankings that I think if you were in a league and you said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking to put Aaron Rodgers on the block, the, the, the MVP, the QB4 of this year, and, and let's say he goes to the Super Bowl. I think his value is going to be very high, and I think if you can sell a quarterback of that age who's ranked this high in dynasty at his premium value now, I think two years from now, you'll be happy about it. Um, I'm not going to say he's going to regress like crazy, but the year prior, he was like the QB 11. I think he's right outside the, the top 10. So he's having quite the quite the year right now. Um, you got guys like Tannehill and Tua and Stafford. Uh, you mentioned Goffs, Hurts, Cousins. There, there's some guys that may not be the better option right now, but if you can get one of those guys and get a plus and a trade, I think your dynasty team could have a good uh, outlook for for the future. So I think Aaron Rodgers, just because the price he's at right now is not going to go higher, I think is a good sell. I actually love that. He was almost one of the guys I chose um, because, like you said, the age thing, you he's his value is at a peak right now. That's always what you want to be looking at with fantasy is sometimes, you know, you have a guy who produces this insane year and you love him and you want to keep him. And that's fine. You can keep him if you want. But if you realize that he's not going to do better than what he's doing right now, then you got, you know, if you really want to benefit from that player, you should trade them away. And I think that's exactly what you should be doing with Aaron Rodgers. I actually had a conversation recently with somebody on Twitter about that. So that's (laughs) so, so funny that that's the guy you picked. And then the guy for me is Jared Goff. So (laughs) obviously I talked about him as well. He is expert consensus ranked 15 right now. So that's five spots ahead of Wentz. And he's my quarterback 19 right now, but I actually might adjust him lower because I did those before the playoffs started. And, you know, with some recent things that have happened with Wolford being started over him, yes, I know his thumb was messed up, but still starting a a guy from the AAF in the playoffs over your quarterback who has like a thumb that's not that big of a deal because we did see him come in. He was active and then he came in and played shows me that there is a lot of friction there between Sean McVay and Jared Goff and that really that organization and I feel like they're married to him right now because of the contract but once they have a chance to get out of that contract you like a look at Goff and the numbers he's put up and you know they're they're not good they they really aren't and he's had one of the best offensive coaches he's had Robert Woods Cooper Cup and had Brandon Cooks for a while there too and he even had Todd Gurley Cam Akers now like he's been in a great situation he's not really getting it done there I don't think he would get it done anywhere else you know there's not very many situations that are better than that so I actually go into way more detail on that YouTube video on both of the Carson Wentz Jared Goff guys so I'm not going to get too deep but that's basically the gist of it Jared Goff I think he's a really good sell right now and then we got running backs receivers you can go any direction you want let's uh let's hear one of your buys first for either running back or receiver sure so um one of the buys that I wrote down first, and to be honest, I, I wasn't a massive fan um, of him before the draft, so this was a rookie from this year. Um, but you have to love what's going on around him, and it's uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, in, in dynasty rankings, I looked at him at RB17. I've, I've seen him this year, I think going into the season, as high as like five or seven. So he's really taken a hit, and I think it's because of the recency bias with what's been going on with CEH because he missed weeks 13, 16, 17, and now a playoff game. So when you look at that, you're like, oh, well, where, where's this guy at? Um, and, and some of the weeks this year, uh, I think he finished the um, the season on it, if you know, just because he's been gone. But if you look at some of the touches this season, week seven, eight, 
and nine, he had nine or less touches. But on the flip side, there's been weeks one, three, six, uh, 14, where he's had 20-plus touches. So you've seen a lot of um, up and down for the involvement. I, I, I think the Chiefs present such a great situation to be in. I don't think he's really competing. You look at a guy like J.K. Dobbins, um, who I like a lot too, uh, but you, you have this Gus Edwards factor that might be a long-term thing. With, with CEH, you don't have a lot of that. And there's been games this year where he's, he's had like six catches in the game and, and gotten the yardage. So I think that a lot of people have written him off, and some people have even said uh, heard you know, off of Twitter and things like that, have called him almost like a bust just because I think the expectation was so high for him. But I think right now with the recency bias, you can get him so much cheaper than what you could have at the beginning of the season because for a lot of leagues, he was the 1-1 in rookie drafts. So um, I think the upside being on the Chiefs is there. I think he can be a pass catcher. He had 803 rushing yards and 36 receptions. He had five-plus receptions in three games. I think he's a guy you can get the cheapest than uh, at, at the cheapest value compared to what he once was. So I, I do like that as a buy. Man, I got to say, you are fitting into this podcast very well, my friend. Um, the, the listeners know. Good. Yeah, I, I talk about Clyde a lot uh, because the biggest thing I noticed throughout the season, because I always do like weekly recaps on games and stuff, is that it was frustrating. Like It was a frustrating season because of Le'Veon Bell being added. You know, that, that wasn't something that we saw. And yes, he took some touches away, but he's not going to be back. Damian Williams is only a cap hit, a dead cap hit of half a million dollars. If they keep him, he's almost $3 million, so he might be cut as well. It might be just Clyde in the backfield next year. And this year, when it mattered most, the guy that they went to was was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Once games were close, within one score, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire dominated the touches at the running back position. So it shows that they trust in him. And I was really, really hoping that he was healthy for the playoffs right because we could have saw that Damian Williams-esque rise that he had with the Chiefs what what was it last year or two years ago and I think it was two years ago and that could have happened for Clyde and then people would say you know Clyde really is the guy we saw in week one versus Houston because I think that is who he will be moving forward so I love that call I completely agree and I'll give an example of somebody I would sell for him and you can chip in on this if if you disagree if you think it's too much but uh, I think Derrick Henry is a big sell right now and you could probably sell Derrick Henry and get a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire plus something else, plus a pick, plus another player, whatever the case may be. Derrick Henry is expert consensus ranking RB6. He is my RB15. He will. He's 27 right now. He may be, I don't have it exactly in front of me, he may be 28 going into next season or like just 27 and a half or whatever. And he's had so much on his plate, so much. And he's also been in an offense that... For like, honestly, we we can't explain it. Like nobody's been able to explain really the efficiency levels of the Titans. Ryan Tannehill put up a ridiculous touchdown rate last year. I think it was like thirteen point five percent. This year he was still ridiculous on yards per attempt, touchdown rate. Like everything has been so perfect. It was been the perfect situation for Derrick Henry, and he just put up a two thousand plus rush yard season. And if you look at the guys that have done that their next season the best one so Derrick Henry's like one of like eight guys who have done that a 2,000 plus yard rush season the best season that a running back has followed that up with has been under 1,300 rush yards so maybe Derrick Henry will be the outlier who doubles down maybe he'll be you know somebody who 
hits 1500 and breaks that barrier or 1600 and breaks that barrier but he's not a guy who's going to be doing that for more than maybe two more years right like how much can he really sustain and when we're talking dynasty and you have so many good young running backs in this league right now I think that's way too high for a guy like Derrick Henry what do you think about that I do like Henry a lot. I think it just has to do with the status of uh, where you are in your league. I mean, if next year you, you just missed out in, you know, in the in the semis and you were so close to a final or you lost in the championship and you got a squad that can potentially next year, you know, go and win it all, I, I think you're, you're not selling Henry. But in a lot of other cases, I, I can kind of see what you're saying. And one concern for me that's not talked about uh, enough is the Titans two years in a row have been a playoff team, right? and they've gone pretty far in the playoffs, it hasn't worked out. So at what point do they take a shift on their team a little bit and say, hey, we kind of got to operate a little bit differently now? And, and what if that means maybe taking some of you know Henry's gr- ground and pound o- away from him o- over time? So I think I think Henry's a good, you know, he, he's got this good window right now, but at the same time, if things shift for the Titans at all or – you know, teams kind of catch up on their style of play, they might have to adjust and shift. If you can get a CEH plus in a dynasty league, let's say you're middle of the middle of the standings, middle of the table sort of team. I think that's a huge win, especially if you see what could, could this player be and what could the other player be? What could Derrick Henry be? He he is what he is. Like he is what he's been. Um, I'm not saying anything negative in that aspect, but what he is right now, it's not going to continue to take a huge jump on the flip side what could CEH be? We don't really know, but it's going to be hopefully higher than what he is right now. So if you get that plus in a deal, it could work out for you in Dynasty. Dynasty is just such a good um, such a good turntable of events all the time yeah. if you work out the right deal at the right time. For sure. And I like what you said about, you know, they've been in the playoffs and it just hasn't worked and maybe they might switch something up. Now would be the perfect time with um, Arthur Smith gone now that he took that um that head coaching job with Atlanta so yeah we we don't know maybe they will switch up that offense so that's another good point there and I'll let you take either um a buy or sell go any direction you want with um another running back or receiver all right well um I know you like this guy and I didn't just pick him because you like this guy I actually talked about him on on, on another podcast as a buy but Tyler Boyd yes that, that, that a lot of people a lot of people forgot about i think because listen to the splits here um the last couple weeks in fantasy and maybe maybe the outliers of week 17 but i'm just going to include it right now he had 9.3 zero he missed the game then he had 2.2 fantasy points uh he was wide receiver 82 when joe burrow was not playing so if you take that aspect of his fantasy season i think a lot of people if they don't pay attention enough, might actually want to sell Tyler Boyd because they look at him and say, man, this guy burned me on all these weeks and he became nothing. He became a dud. But on the flip side, when Joe Burrow played, so weeks one through 11, Tyler Boyd was the wide receiver 11. Yes, right now, dynasty-wise, they have him around 25, and I think that's a, a disjustice for what he actually could be and what he was this season. So it, it's tough when your your quarterback goes down but you got to look at, hey, Joe Burrow, you know, he's a new uh, quarterback in a new system. Who is, who's he going to? So everybody likes uh, T. Higgins, and I, and I do too because he's this new shiny object. But at the same time, when you look at the target share, I mean, Higgins was getting his, but Tyler Boyd was the guy. During that time that Joe Burrow played, 
Boyd saw eight plus targets seven times, and then he saw eleven plus targets three times. So the volume to Tyler Boyd was insane. He was the wide receiver eleven. The last end of the season, he fell off completely because of the quarterback situation. And I think he is one of the sneakiest buys for guys that don't pay attention to season splits. Dude, I am so happy that you brought up Tyler Boyd. So I I have a you know we're going we're each doing like three buys three sells at at the running back slash wide receiver position, and I put four buys in with the fourth being Tyler Boyd because I had to to talk about him too. But I'm so happy to. you talked about him already. And uh, just for the people. Because a, a lot of people know me as like the Boyd man and all this stuff, right, from the offseason. But I would say probably about half the people listening now didn't listen to me in the offseason. So would you be able to corroborate for me that, because I said this, this is what I said on your stream uh, when I hopped on, that I, I, I called Tyler Boyd as a top 12 receiver for a redraft. And like you said, he was 11. Yep, you did. You did. You had, you had him as that. I think I think I was high in him, but I wasn't as high. Um, you, you may have been the highest on Boyd out of guys that I talked to. So, like, I, I did have op- optimism for him, but you, you were the highest of the guys. But a lot of people were kind of writing him off a little bit. I don't know why. Yeah, so he, he yeah, he's in a perfect offense for him, too, because they're going to be throwing the ball so much. He has the slot position locked down. T. Higgins is a guy on the outside. Even if they bring in a new guy through the draft, a lot of people seem to like to mock, like, a Jamar Chase or somebody like that to the Bengals. I don't really think that's the direction they're going to go because they just need to focus on the O-line. They, they have plenty of receivers. But even if they did that, it's not going to be somebody that, hurt Tyler Boyd in the slot Tyler Boyd's got that position so I love Tyler Boyd the volume the you know he's also with a young quarterback and he's got three years left on his deal he's not too beat up or too old he's like I think 25 or 26 so he's got a lot of years left so yeah he's actually my dynasty wide receiver 19 and right now he's ECR 30 so I completely agree with you Um, a guy I think that we should be buying is LaVisca Chenault his expert consensus ranking right now is 40. And just like Tyler Boyd was kind of somebody I was going out on a limb for last year, LaVisca Chanel might be that guy for me this year. He is my dynasty wide receiver 18. That is more than double what his expert consensus ranking is right now. And I can see him turning into a similar type of player, just a little bit more explosive and a little bit less volume than Tyler Boyd because LaVisca Chanel should be the number one there. He is more talented than DJ Chark. He also is... Uh, more versatile he can be used in more ways and dj chark would be better as like a deep threat you know you put him on the outside you take him on intermediate routes and deep routes opens up the offense he's a big guy he's good with contested catches and then lavisca chanel has the best hands in this rookie class this super stacked rookie class he had the best true catch rate best contested catch rate and he's a guy who could see a huge volume jump. I think it's going to happen in this next year. And as long as he can stay healthy, that was the only reason he dropped in, in the real NFL draft. You know, he was a, a surefire first rounder, and then he dealt with injuries, and that's what dropped him down into the second round. And uh, I also saw somebody tweet out something about second round wide receivers and the hit rate on second round wide receivers for fantasy purposes from the NFL draft and also just you know for that team itself and that seems to be the money spot for drafting receivers in the NFL draft like the hit was like a 70% hit rate on those receivers producing wow. very good seasons so LaVisca Nault's one of those and he's going to have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields you've got Urban Meyer who can hopefully generate a really good offense that is conducive to his skill set I love LaVisca Chenault what do you think about that I think um, you bring up some great points. Uh, personally, I don't know if I'll have him inside the top twenty right now. Oh, for that's me. high. Yeah, I um, know I have him high. No, you do. You do have him high, but but I can see you justifying why. And um, 
with Trevor Lawrence coming in, I mean, this guy's had three different quarterbacks this year, right? Uh, he, he missed two games, I think. If you, if you look at the end of the season, weeks 14 through 17, we don't play 17 in most leagues, but it was still a regular season game. 11, 6, 7, and 9 targets. This guy was getting very involved in the system. And, you know, you can say, well, they got a new quarterback. But at the same time, whoever's running the team, if they, if they look at this and say, hey, this guy can make the big plays, he can carry the ball, he can score touchdowns. I think with Trevor Lawrence in the system now, uh, Keelan Cole's out of there, which which takes away a guy that was actually playing decent this year. Um, but I, I like I like what we saw out of this gun, to be honest with you. And, and I'll be straight up about it. I was actually kind of low um, on him. Not saying I didn't think he was going to do well. I just, to be honest, I just didn't see a good path to him being super involved. But he, he surprised me this year for sure. And, and, and he shows that uh, diverse gadget player role that a lot of uh, coaches take advantage of. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. I'm excited for him, man. I really am. And also, they're a team that's going to throw the ball, you know, among the tops in the NFL. Yep. I believe they were this year, and it's going to continue to be that way, especially with how poorly their defense has been playing. And they they still, you know, they got some nice young guys, T.J. Henderson, Josh Allen, some young guys there I like for sure. But they're, you know, many prospects away from turning that defense into something that can make their offense be a team that can really fully commit to the run and and focus on better efficiency and less pass attempts and run through James Robinson. So. Um, yeah, that's another thing I like going there. And uh, you can go ahead and take another buy or sell another guy that you got. So I, I can just run through this buy kind of brief here as my last buy for running back or wide receiver. And uh, a guy that a lot of people um, are, are thinking I've seen that, you know, he's not going to be involved in the system next year. Uh, but I thought he played well in the healthy games this year is Miles Gaskin. And I know I know a lot of mocks. Um, and some other people, you know, come out with, hey, this person can land here, um, involve uh, potential running back to the Dolphins. But to me, that's not an area that they extremely need right now. Um, I read an article from Fanside, and they said the top couple positions was obviously wide receiver to add another guy there, free safety, um, some linebacker help, and then adjustments to the O-line. I think Miles Gaskin, you know, he played 10 games this season. He had 41 catches, which is a lot. We talked about, you know, about uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He had 36. Miles Gaskin, being a 2019 pick, had, had 41. He had five total touchdowns. He scored a couple games in fantasy where he's around 14-ish points. Um, championship week, 33.9 points in fantasy. I think um, he's shown that he could be a guy that can run the ball. I mean, his yards per carry is not – you know, outstanding, but it's been his first year really involved. He can catch the ball. Um, Dynasty-wise, I saw him rated around 30. So, to me, if he does stay in the starting position role on this team and they address other areas, I think the fact that he's 30 when there's 32 teams in the league is a um, is not really fair for a guy that was actually pretty decent this year in fantasy. So, um, that one's a little bit of a, a reach on that one potentially. What, what do you what do you think about that? So I actually like it, which is funny because I was expecting. So far, we haven't had any disagreements, and I was expecting a couple, and you know, some hot some hot debates. But so far, man, I, I right, I'm on the right. same page with everything. And um, yeah, another thing I think helps Miles Gaskin, which might sound weird to hear me say this at first, but Salvin Ahmed looking really good, I think, helps Gaskin because if you know Gaskin was the only one who produced there the only one in their backfield who looked good, maybe they're looking and they're like, yeah, we should get another guy in this room. Good point. But when they have another guy in Ahmed who was also a Washington Husky with Gaskin, you know, uh, they came out, Ahmed was a rookie this year, and like you said, Gaskin was a 2019 
uh, rookie. So they're both super young. They're both super cheap. Why, you know, move off of these super cheap late round finds for what's going to be a more expensive first round or top of the second round running back when you also have other holes? And I definitely think they're going to be addressing the receiver and maybe tight end position. Um, and that's kind of some foreshadowing for something I'm going to say later. Um, but they don't really have any separators. They, they have nobody that creates separation So in the receiving game. So I think that's where they would be spending their pick. So I completely agree with you. Um, I'm going to throw in another buy that I have. It's Antonio Gibson. He is ECR. This is probably the biggest discrepancy in terms of value for me. He's ECR 17 at running back. He is my running back 6. So that's going to be super high. Yes, I know. I know. It's super high. And, you know, maybe maybe you want to knock him down a couple because I have him right in front of DeAndre Swift, who's at 7 for me. And, you know, a couple other guys that are pretty close. I, I could fudge him a little bit to, like, RB10 at the worst. But for me, Gibson is a guy whose role is only going to get bigger. And he is in one of the worst possible situations, and he produced this year in one of the worst possible situations. Their offensive line is probably going to get a little bit better. Or their receiving core will get better with another piece. Or their quarterback play will get better. Something in that offense will get better. It'll allow the offense to stay on the field longer which gives more opportunity for touches for Gibson, gets the red zone more often, gives more opportunity for touchdowns for Antonio Gibson. And if you look at Christian McCaffrey, he jumped from about 220 total touches his rookie season to 330, I think it was. And yeah, it's a huge jump. And I'm not saying he's a Christian McCaffrey. Definitely not. That would be like a heresy. Like Christian McCaffrey's insane. But Antonio Gibson is with Rivera, and Rivera did make the comp earlier in the offseason, and I think it's kind of hinting that Gibson may take on more of a receiving role. He was a receiver in college. Like, that's what he was used as, and so I would not be surprised if J.D. McKissick, who's just a guy and is not nearly as good even in the receiving game as Antonio Gibson, starts to cede some of that role to Gibson, and he gets more receptions as well. So Gibson, to me, is a guy who will be around RB like 8 to 12 for the next 3-4 years, but then he still has time ahead of him because of how young he is, which is part of the reason that he's really high for me. Antonio Gibson is another guy that you could probably get with Derrick Henry and add something in. So that's a guy that I love. And um, you said you were done with buys, right? Yeah, I'm done with buys. All right, so then you you go ahead and start a sell. I know I threw one of my sells that sells out earlier, so I have one more buy after, after you start us off right here. And just to comment on uh, Gibson real quick, we, yeah. we've seen multiple weeks uh, above 20 points of fantasy, and then he had that big 30-something uh, point game against Dallas. The the upside is there. Uh, you mentioned McKissick. I, I think if his role shrinks in that passing game, and we see if we see in the future some more games where Gibson's catching five five balls at least, then I think his, his value is going to go up uh, drastically. So I do hope that McKissick's role kind of shrinks a little bit because I think he was there to be more of the, the vet safety blanket in some situations. But, yeah, uh, yeah for, for sell. So for, first one I'll, I'll put out there, um, wide receiver six in, in the dynasty rankings that I looked at earlier uh, is Michael Thomas. Um, so, so January 19th, the report came out. Thomas is expected to undergo surgeries on his shoulder and left ankle. That was reported on ESPN. He's soon to be, soon to be 28. Um, we don't know who the QB is going to be. Some people think it's going to be, uh, Jameis Winston on my show Tuesday. Uh, two out of the three guests said it's not going to be Winston. Um, 
we looked at the games he played this season where he was healthy. Maybe he wasn't 100% healthy, but weeks 9 through 14, when he was playing, he was the wide receiver 19. So he was not himself from the previous year. And to be the sixth best wide receiver in, in a dynasty uh, rankings, I'm, I'm kind of questioning that. So I, I'm gonna, I actually have in front of me right here, I, I, I made a list for, for you for this podcast. I had a pen, awesome. but I think I lost it. So I have, I have, a, I have a list for you. I'm, I'm going to name off a guy. No explanation. You tell me. Dynasty rankings, who, you, who you'd have higher. That's perfect, because I just pulled up my uh, Dynasty ranking wide receiver articles, I can tell you. Perfect, perfect. So I'm going to start from like maybe maybe down the road, and then I'll get higher here. So okay. uh, I'll start with, uh, with Mike Evans. Would you rather have Mike Evans or Michael Thomas? I would rather Michael Thomas, but I can see the argument for Mike oh, Evans. Okay, so I'm just doing a, doing a tally here. Okay, how about Kenny Galladay? Michael Thomas. Okay, how about Keenan Allen? Michael Thomas. Okay. But if you're in win-now mode, I'd much rather Keenan Allen. Okay. How about DJ Moore? That's also team-dependent, but I'll go Michael Thomas. Okay. So I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I have him at nine. So I think he's a sell, but you probably are lower on him. Okay. Who, who do you have? So who do you have above him? That's what I was kind of getting at. Because I, 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 I look at my list here. Obviously, Adam Hill... Um, you know, DK could be in that conversation. Like guys like Ridley and Diggs and AJ Brown, I think could be above Michael Thomas. Yeah. So for me, the guys that I have above him are DK, Terry McLaurin. That's probably one of the ones that I have that they don't. He's on fantasy, my list too. Yeah, right. that fantasy pros doesn't. Yeah, I have Terry. I'm really high on him. He's my wide receiver seven. Um, okay. Yeah, I almost counted him as one of my buys, but I already had a YouTube video out on that, so I figured it'd be a waste. Then uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, and Tyreek Hill. All right, so clearly, you know, from where he's ranked, obviously we're not saying Michael Thomas is going to be a dud, but I think now that we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be, he's 28, which isn't bad. We don't want to play that age game all the time. He's going to have these surgeries. I think that there's a lot of guys catching up to Michael Thomas, that if you can get one of those guys that you listed, Terry McLaurin, uh, Calvin Ridley, you know, A.J. Brown, if you can get one of those guys for Michael Thomas, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. So that's the reason I want to sell him is because a lot of guys that play fantasy know him as that wide receiver one from the previous year, and they might think, hey, he was banged up all year. You know, it, it's it, it was an off year for him because of that, you know, similar to CMC. But I think I'm going to go and try to grab one of these other wide receivers that you just mentioned for him, and that's the reason that's a sell for me. Yeah, and I actually want to add to your point about the quarterback situation. I definitely don't think Jameis can be there because if you look at the Saints, it's actually hysterical, and I love it as a Bucks fan. The Saints are $100 million over the cap. It's not good. It's not good at all, and that's without Breeze counted on the cap. So are they going to be able to sign Jameis Winston and start him? No, because they're not going to be able to sign him for a $1 million, $2 million, $3 million deal, right? And they also have Taysom Hill on the books for like fifteen to $17 million. So for me, it's got to be someone either if they're able to work something out money-wise in a trade or if they just have to roll with Taysom Hill or if they get a rookie. I'm not really sure, but the more that I've looked into the cap – the more I've come to the realization that my my Taysom Hill hate for for like him being the possible starter might not be a hundred percent placed uh, correctly because you know with the cap situation he's not super expensive of a quarterback and they're not going to be able to just outright sign somebody else. So um, yeah, I, I think if Taysom Hill's the guy, he was okay with Hill, but that's an offense that doesn't pass the ball nearly enough. 
And so, yeah, that wouldn't be good for Thomas at all. And then um, I have my last buy, since I already did one of my sells. Um, My last buy is Chris Godwin. He is my wide receiver four. He is the Dynasty wide receiver ranked 11 on Fantasy Pros. For me, I don't understand what happened for everyone to just change their ranking. He was consensus top five last year, right? And he's still under 25 right now. He he basically dropped six spots from last year's ranking due to Antonio Brown being added on a one-year deal, which is not going to affect the future. And because the Bucks are going to have some cap decisions to make as well, and they're not, they're not going to be able to have Godwin and AB back. And I do think they bring back Godwin. And um, the fact that he broke his finger in the middle of the season and played through it. And he's also still, he was still learning and adjusting and getting used to and building chemistry with Tom Brady. So we even saw Mike Evans struggling in the beginning of the season. And then since, you know, like, I don't remember what week it was, but once Bruce Arians came out and said, Mike Evans needs the ball and Tom Brady started getting better chemistry with Mike Evans, he was getting like nine, 10 targets a game. So we've seen the offense get progressively better. And also with the way Chris Godwin is performing right now in the playoffs, which kills me as a Bucks fan, but it's going to make it even easier to buy him. And I'm sure it's just either maybe his finger's bothering him and he's not telling anyone about it, or he's just lacking some confidence, but that's something that will, you know, fix with maturity and experience. But whether he stays in Tampa or he goes somewhere else, if he goes somewhere else, that's he's getting paid a lot if he's leaving Tampa because Tampa's going to try to keep him. So if he goes somewhere else, he's getting paid a lot, which means he's getting at least 140 targets because he's going to be their number one receiver. If he stays in Tampa, he's still going to be in that 140-plus target range because Tampa's still throwing the ball a lot. Tom Brady led the league in intended air yards at the quarterback possession position this year. So people, don't worry about Tom Brady's arm, by the way, side note. Uh, it's been fine. Uh, but yeah, so Chris Godwin is my, my last buy. What do you think about Chris Godwin? I, I, um, he's one of my whiffs over the last like two seasons. He's one of my whiffs because I, I was not super high on him and he was a wide receiver too last year. He had issues this year. He's a guy that you give him the volume, he'll handle it. Um, I, I, I did whiff on him in the past and I think regardless of where he's at, if you throw the ball in his direction, he's, he's going to make plays. Um, and, and I think, uh, regardless if it's Tampa or, or where the spot is, I think Godwin, um, is still being, a, I mean, you, we talked about it earlier. It's like, and I seen a, a quote earlier on Twitter today. It's like, what have you done for me recently? You know, and, and guys forget about what guys have actually done and what they can do due to like injuries and things like that. So I think Godwin is a guy that's um, being pushed out of uh, the top five rankings of dynasties and things like that for for uh, reasons that are not really justified. Yeah. All right. So you want to hit us with another one of your cells? You got two left, right? Yep. yep. All right. Yeah. Go um, ahead. I can go through these pretty quick too uh so this might be an obvious one but it's a it's like a sell now before it's too late sort of thing um this guy was hurt a lot this year too um he did not play in nine regular season games because of an ankle and a knee issue uh Raheem Oster um I looked at dynasty rankings I had him within the top 30 he's uh he's gonna be a free agent in 2022 and I'm telling you right now at at um at his age after 2022, his value is going to go from uh, running back 26 or whatever they have it at right now to way, way lower than that. I think you can sell him on the narrative that, hey, he was hurt. The 49ers are this run-first offense. You know, when he's healthy, he can play very well. But 
I don't foresee him being a part of their long-term plans. And when he hits free agency at 29 or whatever the case is, like, what's he really going to be for you in fantasy? Um, and I think he's hanging on to his value by a thread right now. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. was very good at the end of the fantasy season. They still got Coleman, who I don't, you know, think super highly of, but McKinnon, you know, can make plays and 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 uh, be part of that passing game. But I'm I'm telling you, after this season, I think Mosher's value is going to be dust. So I think if you can sell him now, I I, I would I would. Yeah, I think you covered all the talking points. I completely agree. The only other thing I could probably add is that I wouldn't be surprised if the Niners get a running back in this draft. Hey, there you go. Yep. And then uh, I'll go to another one of my sales. It's uh, DK Metcalf. This is a guy I did put a YouTube video out on, cause, but I'm still going to talk about it because it's, you know, I, I think it's very important to recognize him as a sell high. He is expert consensus ranking right now, wide receiver two, two in Dynasty. Two on a season where so he's my eight. Two he he's ranked two on a season where Russell Wilson had a career high pass attempt, career high touchdown number, career high completions, second highest pass yardage in his career, and DK Metcalf was not even a top five receiver in fantasy. So you're paying pr- the price of dynasty wide receiver two for a guy in possibly his peak season or one of the best situations he will have because those were all career highs for Russell Wilson almost, and he wasn't even able to get to where he's being priced right now. If you're paying that high of a price, you need that receiver to be top five for a good amount of their years moving forward, and I don't think DK is going to be that. He's also not the type of receiver that should be a volume 150 target type of guy, 160 target type of guy. That's not the type of, he's not a possession receiver. He's not a supreme route runner. He's not one of those guys that can pull in a whole bunch of targets. I love DK. Don't get me wrong. And I actually, I liked him a lot for redraft this year. But now all of a sudden, you know, in fantasy, a lot of times the pendulum shifts way too far to one side. And right now I think it's way too far. And uh, I, I think he would be a very good sell because of it. You could sell DK Metcalf for a guy like Chris Godwin and maybe get something on top, who I have ranked over DK. Uh, DK. You could sell him for Terry McLaurin plus something else. Like, there are so many guys you could sell him for right now and get, you know, icing on top when I already have them ranked above Metcalf. He's a big sell for me. What do you think about that one? I mean, hell of a season, Evan. You talk about the targets. He had 129 targets this year. He had 10 touchdowns, 83 receptions. I mean... I believe I believe in the athleticism. I believe in the, the playmaking ability. I actually well overpaid for this guy I've, in one dynasty league. I, I sent uh, Austin Eckler, Deontay Johnson, and a pick of some sort for for DK Metcalf, and then at the end of the season, I kind of regretted it a little bit. Um, I can see why you're saying he could be a sell because you look at him and you say, "Hey, what what does he cost?" And right now, right now, today. I think it's it's to that tier where it's the house almost. Um, and you see these reports coming out from Pete Carroll, and we, we hear a lot of coach talk all the time, but they said we got, we got to establish the run more. So if they start going back to the Seattle that they used to be where it's, you know, pound the rock and then throw when we need to, that doesn't bode well for a guy that can be, you know, as expensive as, as CMC. I've seen some crazy trades where, you know, DK, DK was getting offered a crazy amount of capital. So if things do shift for the Seahawks and he doesn't have that 129 targets, which is astronomical, um, I, I can see I, I can see the argument where if you would have sold last year today, 
let's say if, if I would have sold him in January of 2021, I could have got this, but I sold him, you know, January of 2022 and it was nowhere near that. So I, I could see the argument at least. Yeah. And you know, a point that you just mentioned actually just set me up for a home run here. Um, oh, all right, here we go. Yeah. So, so you, you said, uh, you know, establish the run. That's what Pete Carroll's talking about. So if you notice that the end of the season, Seattle started shifting back. And this is part of the reason why Russell Wilson disappointed a lot of people in fantasy towards the end of the season. They started shifting back to that run-heavy approach as they got Chris Carson back, as Carlos Hyde was back, and as Jamal Adams came back and Carlos Dunlap was added, and their defense was a little bit better. They got back to the old identity of Seattle, right? And last six games, DK Metcalf averaged 12.5 fantasy points per game. The first 10, 19.5. So you're, you're seeing a stark difference. And somebody actually pointed out, that uh, pointed this out to me he was actually targeted more in those last six games and my counterpoint to that is it wasn't successful it was clearly not successful they were over targeting him trying to force on the ball if anything that's showing that offense that hey this is not the way to go so I mean there's no there's no route in my mind that can lead DK to like a top three fantasy wide receiver season much less to be a consistent top five guy so that's why he's a sell for me and then um yeah, so that was my sell. You got one more, right? Yeah, a um, little bit maybe less obvious. He's not ranked super high. I, I thought the dynasty rankings I looked at had him closer to the, the upper 30 uh, range. Um, but, but Robbie Anderson was wide receiver 15 on the year this year. Um, Curtis Samuel might be gone, so he might have even more of a role, some people may think. You know, we have to factor in Christian McCaffrey coming back, and, and what do they do on this team to add to that offense? Um, will they add another pass catcher? I look at Robbie Anderson in the past. You know, 2019, he was a wide receiver 38. 2018, wide receiver 37. 2017 was good, wide receiver 16. And then 2016, wide receiver 70. So he's been a guy that has been on offenses that have included him in the play in the past. He had a career year in his, like, targets and catches and yards and thing, things like that for him. But uh, – he did cool off at the time, too. I, I still do not believe he's even close to the best receiver on his team. I think he's he's still, uh, in, on a talent perspective, you know, a while away from DJ Moore. And, and a lot of people will, will, will argue that. But I think, you know, you take a guy like Robbie Anderson, I, I think a lot of the points of some of these um, guys I'm telling you to sell is that they might be at their highest selling point right now. He yeah. just was the top 15 wide receiver. Sell him because I don't think next season he's going to be a top 15. And if he's not a top 15 ever again in fantasy, you're not going to get him for what you could have. So I, I'm a sell on Robbie Anderson. I like it. I like it. Man, no, <laughs> all all agreements. That that should give the listeners a lot of confidence. Because, be like, these guys are not bringing the heat today. With, yeah, with these, yeah. But at least we're making good points, I feel like. Both of us. Yeah, for sure. They're going to think that we like look like gave each other lists before the thing started by the way guys we purposefully like so so nick asked me he was like hey you know are we are we gonna like show each other who we are picking or whatever and i was like nah man don't show me i want it to be a surprise and uh it might spark some good debates or whatever like it'll be spontaneous and that's how i like to conduct the podcast and so yeah we didn't see each other's names at all and uh we're in full agreement so far so I have one more sell in the running back receiver category, then we're going to do tight ends. But first, we're going to take a quick break. What's up, divers? Do you enjoy a good workout like me? Do you grind in the gym trying to get built? If so, then you probably know working out is only half the battle with the other half being nutrition. Well, luckily, you can go to BuiltBar.com and get protein bars, 100% daily vitamin packs that mix into your water, 
I use that all the time. Tastes great. You can get caffeine and protein mixed into one as a pre-workout gel pack. And all of these things help you turn your hard work in the gym into visible results. I use these products myself and they are great. And I also have a promo code that helps both of us save 10% off with Deep Dive. That's Deep Dive to save 10% off at BuiltBar.com and on any of their products. And my favorite energy protein pack flavor, by the way, if you want to go that route, is the peanut butter honey. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, take a second to pause the podcast right here. That's right. Pause it right here and drop me a rating or review. And if you're feeling super generous, you can choose to support the podcast monthly through the link on the episode page or found in the website podcast section. With that being said, as you know, let's get back to the content. All right, guys, welcome back in. So my last sell for the running back position is Ezekiel Elliott. He is consensus eight right now. He is my running back 19. So for me, the biggest problems with Ezekiel Elliott is age, contract situation compared to the cap of the team, and the fact that he was less efficient in pretty much every metric than Tony Pollard was on the same team. So for me, Ezekiel Elliott, he's going to be great in redraft. Next year, he'll probably be a top 10 quarterback or running back, assuming they sign quarterback Dak Prescott. He'll be good for, you know, one or two years. But the Cowboys find themselves in a situation where they do not, they have 20 million in cap space right now. That is without Dak signed, who's probably going to cost between 35 and 40 per year. And if they don't get Dak, they're going to have to get somebody else at the quarterback position that they will spend money on. They are going to have cap casualties. And Ezekiel Elliott, after this season, this next season is over, you can cut him and save, I think, nine. I think I have it right here in front of me. You could save eight and a half million dollars by cutting Ezekiel Elliott versus keeping him on the the team and him costing you 16 and a half. So he's somebody who could be cut also. You just look at the fact that Tony Pollard has been doing better than he has. It's showing that Elliott is probably, you know, has lost some tread on the tires and he's probably starting to exit his prime. And if he's exiting him his prime and you can find somebody that thinks the only reason, the single reason for Elliott's bad season was Dak Prescott being hurt. If you can find that person, sell Ezekiel Elliott to that person because I don't think that was the only reason um, because he would have had a good season, but if Dak was playing, you could put any bad running back on that team and they would have had a decent season still because the offense would have just been generating so much opportunities. So for me, I think Ezekiel Elliott is a sell uh, also because of age too. So what are your thoughts on that one? So I won't, I won't go on that, uh, on that tangent about uh, how it relates to Dak. Like you, like you just said right there, when you look at the stats, I mean, it's, it's, he had 20 points in four out of the five games with Dak because Dak only played the five games. Things did shift, but at the same time, like we've seen running backs in the past be in bad situations, but still be very good. You know, Saquon Barkley is rookie year. James Robinson. And the Giants was the RB1 in a bad situation. Yep. Um, but when you look at Zeke, he had so many games under like nine points. I'm not going to say I don't believe, you know, he's still talented. I think the situation that they're in next year does play a, a big factor. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Tony Pollard, like you pointed out, but I think I think if if the argument is, hey, Zeke was once a top three guy, right? He 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 was a top three guy going into the season. Right now, he's the eighth or, or ninth or tenth best guy. His value dropped off. So, like you said, if, if people still see him as that top three. 
you might have the opportunity to sell. So I'm I'm not completely agreeing with the you know he, he's going to drop off you know drastically or anything like that. Um, and I know you didn't say you know use that word or anything, but it just depends on, on the outlook of, of who values him at what. If someone values him at three, sell him for the three count. If somebody values him at at, at ten. Maybe you can buy him at a cheaper rate. So it's just the, the way you look at Zeke um, going into the next year. So so I hear you saying, um, you know, like if he's valued at 10 or if he's like 8 or 9 or whatever. So I feel like that's where you probably value him. So for me, that would still be a sell high because he's my 19. So I want to throw oh, some man. names at you. There you go. I'm a, yeah, I'm going to throw some names at you. All right, tell okay. me you want Zeke or this person. Basically what you did to me with Michael Thomas. All right, so let's see. I'm going to steer away from the obvious ones. Okay, I think there's five obvious ones already, right? There's Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay, so that's five so far. Antonio Gibson. I think I'd still take take Zeke personally. All right, DeAndre Swift. I'm the biggest Swift truther, so I'll take Swift. Miles Sanders. I might take Zeke because really, my, my, Miles Miles kind of rubs me in weird ways just because of like. The usage at times and the way that they implement some other guys, and, and he's very good. He's been very good in some games, but I, I still I, I want to see a full season of just Miles being like a top seven guy or something like that. All right. What about Clyde Edwards-Helaire? Ooh. Uh, yeah, I know it's tough. I uh, I I actually still I still might take Zeke. All right, Josh Jacobs. I think I'll still take Zeke. All right, so right now he's at seven for you. Um, Eckler, I know you like Eckler. That's that's tough. That's tough for me. Wow, so I, you I, so you have him pretty I, high. You do have, I have Zeke Eckler pretty high. very high, just because like we we seen what what Justin Herbert was doing. Eckler, he had like eleven targets in a game. He was getting the ball a lot. Um, I, I have him too high, so I, I'd have to re reevaluate. Well, I would much rather have Eckler. I would much rather have Eckler. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't mess with standard leagues at all. I'm all PPR. So, seeing the new quarterback, you know, the new rookie quarterback throw the ball to Eckler a lot, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. All right, uh, I'll throw a, a few more out there, but it seems like you're pretty firm up here with Zeke in your top ten. Nick Chubb. I might take Chubb actually. All right, Robinson. I, I love Robinson, but I'll probably take Zeke. All right, and I think the last one probably worth comparing, or two more, Derrick Henry, or three more, sorry, Derrick Henry, Mixon, Aaron Jones. I would, are we assuming uh, Aaron Jones is still going to be a Packer? Sure, <laughs> yeah. There's a report that they threw top five money at him, so let's okay. say he resigns. I, I might take Aaron Jones, actually, okay. over Zeke. I, I will take Zeke over Mixon. And I know you like your Mixon guy. And Henry, um, too? Who's the Who's the other one? Derrick Henry. I might I might take Zeke still. All right, Henry. so it looks like Zeke comes in at probably like yeah, like you said nine, nine or ten. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Interesting. Right. So, so that's like our that's our first like somewhat disagreement. There we go. That, that's right. good though. That's good. Yeah. All right. So let's move into tight end. Do you want to start us off with one of your buys? Sure. So I, I, I was, you know, I, I had a couple names that I, I thought about, you know, I'm a Bears guy. I was like, oh, maybe Cole Komet or, you know, in the same kind of reserve Smith Jr. was looking good. But I went deep for the fact that it might be super cheap of a buy, but I went with Adam Troutman. And, and the reason was 
Jared Cook being a 33-year-old guy that's about to hit free agency, it makes a clear path potentially for this this rookie guy to come in here. And with Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, Marquez Callaway, none of these names, like, when you think of them, say to me, hey, you know, this guy's going to be a monster target hog in, in this offense. Um, 15 catches on 16 targets, that's, that's good efficiency. It's a small sample size, 171 yards. In college, though, um, 11 games in his last college season, Troutman had 70 catches for 916 yards and 14 touchdowns, and they said he was nice. so efficient with his um, his targets. So he's not a big yards-after-catch sort of guy or anything like that, but I think if he is a guy that can catch the ball and can get open and catch the ball and make some touchdown uh, plays, he, he, he's, he's going to sneak into that starting position on the Saints team that doesn't really have a lot of guys to me that are like, hey, this is a big pass catcher that's not Alvin Kamara or uh, Michael Thomas. So a uh, super cheap buy that could work out well in a position that's kind of a dart throw at times. Yeah, it definitely is a dart throw. I, I like that. You, you you basically took a deep dive there at, at tight end. Deeper than the other ones, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Um, my buy... Hey, hey, pun yeah. intended, right? Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> um, so my other buy would be, uh, or my first one for tight end, is Hayden Hurst. His ECR is 17. So I haven't done my t- uh, tight end rankings. That's the only position I haven't done. That's going to be coming out on the next podcast. But I already know Hayden Hurst is going to be higher than that for me because, you know, he's a guy that the, the Falcons paid a good price for. And yes, those guys who paid that price are not there anymore, but he is there. He's still on his rookie contract. They have him on the rookie contract for a couple more years. And Arthur Smith, who just came over from Tennessee, like to use Janu, right? A lot of, Everyone loved Janu Smith. And you look at the Falcons' offense, they got Calvin Ridley, they got Julio Jones, and basically the guy after that is Hayden Hurst. And Julio Jones is also dropping off soon. Um, You know, maybe Hayden Hurst won't be there at that point, but looking at him as probably the third target in an offense, that's probably going to have to throw a lot. That defense is not amazing. And like we talked about already, the tight end position is a dart throw. And Hayden Hurst is a guy who has talent, and he's going to be in an offense that I think will be good for him. So I like Hayden Hurst as a buy. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Hayden Hurst? I, I think I think it depends on I think it kind of depends on like the health of some of the the wide receivers in the system because it seemed like every single week this year this year uh, Calvin Ridley was questionable going into games and Julio Jones missed some games so I think if someone's banged up I, I like I like Hayden Hurst because they do throw the ball a lot Russell Gage being that third wide receiver still at 110 targets, which was um, a bit more than Hayden Hurst in, in, in this offense. So uh, I know that was because, you know, some guys might have missed time. He had a slide into rules. But um, if the Falcons continue to be the offense that they have been and throw the ball so much, you like that for a tight end. Um, I just I just want to make sure that he doesn't go so many weeks, though, where he's scoring, like, under, like, five points and things like that or under 10 points. He, he had three good weeks in the regular season in a row to cap things off. He had some good weeks sporadically, but he would randomly go on these weeks where he was under 10 points uh, in fantasy, like three weeks in a row, multiple times. So I want to see more consistent volume for Hayden Hurst for me to be a little bit more sold on him. Yeah. Um, I'm actually happy that you brought up the Russell Gage thing because I don't want people to think that I just completely forgot about him. Part of the reason I think Hayden Hurst will be the third target is because and this is an unknown, but just because he's tight end 17, you're not going to have to pay a big price to take this risk. Yes. So that's why I don't mind it. Um, but the unknown of whether Arthur Smith 
use the offense he used in Tennessee because of the personnel they had or because that's the offense that he likes to run. If he brings a similar type of scheme, similar type, type of concept, then they're going to be in 12 personnel a lot. There's usually only going to be two wide receivers on the field for Atlanta. That's what they did in Tennessee. It was always just A.J. Brown, Corey Davis. The, the third receiver barely ever touched the ball in Tennessee. And so and the tight ends were utilized as that third receiver. So that's what I am hoping for with Hayden Hurst, and I think it's a possibility that that's the way they're going to use him with Ridley and Julio as the two receivers on the field. Um, so that's why I think he's worth a shot. And then um, you have a sell, right? A sell at tight end? Yeah, I um, I actually I wrote down, and I love this guy coming into the season, but I, I wrote down Mark Andrews. Um, and the reason I wrote him down was because of a personal fantasy preference. I I cannot stand for the life of me for any position the bo- the boomer bust mentality, and I, I just can't. Like some some guys will say, hey, it'll make up you know for itself in certain weeks, um, but tight end four in, in dynasty might be three in some people's rankings. He finished tight end three this year. He had weeks where he was scoring twenty plus points. But he also had five games this year under seven points. Some games he had five-plus catches. Some games he had one to three catches. He missed two games. He had 88 targets. But looking at some other tight ends, he's not at that target share of, like, Darren Waller, 146. I'm not going to even say Travis Kelsey's stats in here because it's just crazy. Uh, but Darren Waller, 146. Hawkinson, 101 targets. Fanton Hunter Henry had 93. So that's a handful of guys right there who had more targets. And I think – in the hypothetical situation that Baltimore adds yes. another wide receiver, maybe a primary wide receiver, because I'm not sure Marquise Brown is meant to be that. I, I think Mark Andrews kind of takes a hit because he's like that guy, that safety blanket. Like we need to throw the ball to somebody. Marquise Brown's dropping a couple balls here and there. Like who do we throw it to? And if they add to that team, I think Mark Andrews for most people is a top three to four tight end. But if you can sell him for a TJ Hawkinson or a Hunter Henry and get a capital in return with that guy, I, I think is a smart move in Dynasty. I completely agree. And I would add to your point and say that this might be the most urgent sell that we've talked about because Baltimore might get a receiver before the draft. They might get one in free agency. And if yeah. they sign an Allen Robinson, if they sign a Kenny Galladay, if they sign, please God, hopefully this doesn't happen, but if they sign a Chris Godwin, right? Mark Andrews, his value is going to tank immediately. So he is actually not only a sell, but I think a sell that you should try and get, you know, get the talk moving right now. So I completely agree with that. And then my last guy to talk about is Mike Gesicki. He is ECR tight end eight right now. I'm sure I'm going to have him much lower than that because he is not a guy who creates separation. He's a guy who's been relying on touchdowns. And, you know, Tua is a quarterback, he, part of the reason he looked bad this year, in my opinion, is because he's coming from Alabama with four first-round wide receivers that always create insane separation, are always wide open. That Those are the type of people he would prefer to throw to. Right now, Miami has no none of those people. But I think that's going to change, whether it's in free agency, whether because they do have some money, whether it's in the draft. I'm sure they're going to be taking, uh, if they hold on to all their picks, if they don't make like a Watson trade or anything like that, I'm sure they're going to take a receiver in the first round with one of their picks. And or at least at the top of the second. And, you know, once they add some separators, Mike Gesicki is all of a sudden not going to be like that target that Tua just goes to 
because when they had no separators, then who becomes the best friend? You know the saying, tight end is a rookie quarterback or a backup quarterback's best friend. And with the receivers in Devontae Parker and Preston Williams not creating any separation, why not throw it to the guy who's not creating separation but has really good hands and is closer to the line of scrimmage? So I think that he could be somebody who really suffers from, like Mark Andrews, somebody getting added to the offense. So that's what I what makes me feel like Gasicki's a good sell. What do you think? I th- going into the season, I actually I liked Gasicki a lot just because we saw what was going on with him at Fitz. But I think with with Tua in, I just don't think it's it's the situation where he's going to get the same sort of production that he did in the previous year, where he ended so hot in fantasy. Um, looking at the stat lines, uh, I'm not going to just read off his stats, but going down the list of weeks, there were so many weeks where he had one or two catches. There was one week where he had nine catches on 11 targets for a touchdown. I mean, that's what, you know, you would love and a dream from a fan, uh, fantasy tight end. But at the same time, if they do, like you are saying, add an elite wide receiver to this, this group here, it might be a, Hey, he's got three targets. And if he doesn't score, it's going to need to be, um, it's going to have to be a wash of a week for him. He's going to have to score on one of these targets. But I, I, I do like I do like Gusecki if he finds volume because I think when he does have volume, he's efficient with his catches. I think if you, you throw the ball ten times, he's going to catch eight of them. I, I, I think that's good about him. I think he could, can score uh, touchdowns. He reminds me a bit about um, Hunter Henry uh, where he had that big touchdown season where you know he, he found the end zone a lot. But at the same time, uh, I'm going back to what you said. I'm 50-50 on him because going into this, I liked him, but you're bringing up the points of, hey, if they bring in some other guys, he might just be all touchdowns or nothing here. So I, I'm borderline about him right now, to be honest. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that actually wraps up our buys, our, our buy lows and sell highs. Um, is there anything you wanted to, um, of course, let you plug everything now that everyone's heard you and you know now that they're even more confident in your skills to evaluate fantasy football, um, I'm going to let you plug everything. But is there anything you want to talk about before that? Um, I, I would just say, you know, we talked about a lot of buys and sells, uh, obviously dynasty related. I think it's important during this time, um, of year and your, your fantasy seasons, if the trade deadline's not closed to like pay attention to a lot of the situational factors, because you don't want to chase trades later on. So if you can listen to this podcast today or some of deep dives, other podcasts that are related to dynasty, it might be, might be a good move to start making some, some decisions now because closer to the rookie drafts and the regular season, some of these moves we're talking about are not going to really exist at the time. So um, it's good to pay attention to these things. Yeah. And since you started talking about like dynasty and looking at things early, another thing I would like to add is that if you find yourself in the middle ground, you need to pick a side in dynasty. You either need to, you, you never want to be in the middle ground. You either need to rebuild and sell your good players that are older, your veterans that can help good teams get better, or do the opposite and try to become a win-now team and look at the teams that are rebuilding, clearly rebuilding, and have guys that can help you win now. I I don't think you should ever be in the middle ground because it's just not – it's never going to be a place where it's easy to get out of unless you make the effort to purposely, consciously do it. So I would add that in there. And, um, yeah, with that said, you, you go ahead and plug anything you want, Twitter, the podcast, live stream. Sure. So, so uh, again, you can find me at, at P2W Fantasy on Twitter. That's where we put all our content out. 
usually a Tuesday live stream and then multiple um, articles a week. And then we'll release the, the actual podcast uh, link throughout the week. Um, DMs always open for people that want to ask questions or want to link up on any sort of project, things like that. Um, but again, man, uh, I appreciate being on, on your podcast. Uh, you've been a guy I, I've respected and been linking up for um, probably the, the duration of me even being on Twitter uh, through this P2W stuff. So I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on. It was a very good discussion. All right, guys, with that said, remember, drop a, a review and a rating if you enjoy the podcast. Hope you guys have a good one. If your team is in the playoffs, I hope they win. Unless you're a Packers fan, then I hope you have a horrible, horrible Sunday. Have a good one. Peace. <laughs> Thank you.